Hello, welcome to the Marvelous Enough podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Henry, and this is my other co-host. Matthew, hello. Hello. Um, yeah, today we're talking about the Batman movies and just the good, the bad, and just the, the weird ones that are, in, <laughs> that are somehow in there. Um, yeah, um, first off, I'm just going to do a little plug, and uh, we've got our Instagram account, at, Mar- at, uh, at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. Uh, at the moment... Uh, we just completed our Marvel MCU in review, uh, so next up we're going to do like random opinion pieces for about a month, like just random opinions about anything. So if you're interested in any of those, just give it a like, give us a follow. Uh, similarly, we're doing the same thing over on our Twitter account, at Cinema Marvelous. Same thing there, just give us a follow, give us a like if you like this. Uh, yeah, do you want to move on to this, <laughs> the last one in our ranking? Um, we can do, yes. Right. Do you want to go first with your last one? <laughs> I can do, yeah. Okay. So, we're starting off with a non-traditional pick. Okay. My tenth and dead last choice is Batman Forever. Oh, okay, okay. Why is that? It's just... We'll get on to Batman and Robin, right? Which I'm well aware yeah. Most people will place dead last in their rankings because it's bad. <laughs> it it's is. It's really bad. Yeah. But for me, Batman Forever is bad. But for me watching it, I just didn't enjoy it at all. Yeah. Okay. I just found it really off putting all the time. It is. Yeah. It's kind of. A... And also really quite dull. Yeah. It's. I don't think Val Kilmer adds any sort of life to the role either. I think he's kind of flat in it. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think he I think he gives it a decent enough shot. It's just that he's not got much to go with. No. There's I mean Yeah. I've written down I've written down because I wrote this down as as I was watching it. Right. So I watched most of them again for this. Yeah. Um the first line of the film. Mm-hmm. So we've had this badass intro. The Batmobile. We're in the Batcave. The Batmobile's appeared. It's doing its. <laughs> it's doing its twi- twi- twirly thing on the platform. Yeah. Ready to go. Batman, full armor, nipples mm-hmm. and all, <laughs> striding up to the Batmobile with his cape. Yeah. All moody. It's all good. It's Batman. Yeah. Alfred strolls in, and for the first line of the film, mm-hmm. he says, "Shall I pack you a sandwich?" <laughs> and that's not even, that's not even the worst part, right? Yeah. Worst part is Batman's response. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> right. So this this isn't quite the first line of the film. But this is the first thing Batman has said. Mhm. This this we, we've just had Tim Burton version. Yeah. Two Tim Burton <laughs> versions. Yeah. We've had this moody intro. Mhm. And he responds, "I'll get drive through." Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's it's like a it's a weird thing that I mean for those who don't know this version of Batman, including Batman and Robin with George Clooney, is technically the same Batman as Michael Keaton. So like they're the same people living in the same world, but different actor. So it's weird that his first line, this very broody sort of character in the last two. His first line is so, like, off-putting and like jokey and <laughs> and just 
I don't want to say it's not Batman because Batman's a very like malleable character. He can just he can kind of take many different tones and forms, but it, it just feels like oh, we're doing this movie now. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah, because yeah. there's a line when um, Nicole Kidman's trying to seduce Batman, which <laughs> we'll get to that on its own. And he says that she, she she says to him, "Oh yeah, is your thing more tight latex and whips?" Yeah, obviously yeah. referencing Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and that obviously that implies that it's the same continuity because you have the same Gordon as well. Yeah, you have the same Alfred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and- Batman miraculously eight years younger, and <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden there's been. An absolute makeover of the sea. Yeah. They demolished all their gothic architecture and decided to put up neon monstrosities everywhere. Yeah, including a lot of just um, six-pack men that are like huge, like statues. Um, <laughs> just all around the, the city with neon lights under them. It's a, it's a design choice, so it's like I would get it if there's a a different Batman and I would enjoy it for what it is but the fact that it's the same meant to be the same Batman is is indicative of what the first four Batman films are which is very much their films made for money and made for this, the spectacle it doesn't really matter what story you're telling um, which is, I think is the main thing about these first four ones are very much yeah. designed very meticulously designed and um, visualised movies that don't have much going on underneath all that um, mm. It's like, to me, it feels like they approached this one and said, hmm, so what made people like the Burton ones? I know I know what it is. It, it, it is. It's the Alfred actor, the Jim Gordon actor, and a blonde female. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, and, and so I'd like to point out, there is a trend in Batman films of mm. just creating a female. Yeah. And also, like, just each one, there's a new one, like a new love interest for, I would say, no reason. Like, <laughs> um, there's, there's absolutely no... I mean, right, Nicole Kidman is a wonderful actress, all right? Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not dissing her. Yeah. I respect her immensely. Mm-hmm. But why, why Why is this character in this film? I, it's not I a don't. comic book character. Mm-hmm. They put her in the comics like afterwards. Yeah. In the years afterwards. Yeah. And also, why mm-hmm. is the dialogue so dub so poorly? It is, isn't it? It's very it's, um, it's just like, yeah. Like everybody's everybody's audio seems to be dubbed in afterwards. It does, yeah. Um, but for some reason, Nicole Kidman seems particularly poorly done. I think because like when they asked her to do the dubbing afterwards it made her like do a very like sultry, like weird, seductive voice, no matter what she was saying. So I think it doesn't really um, connect what he was actually talking like on the day. It's it's such a yeah, it's a weird thing how everyone in the movie feels like a someone else is talking beneath them. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I don't think they do much with it, but I do kind of like how um, she's a, she's a psychologist and therefore she kind of goes into somewhat um, Bruce Wayne's like psychology. But it's not enough, like to be, I would say, any sort of arc or actual, like anything meaningful. Uh, uh, yeah. How do you feel about Robin in the movie? Uh, wait, right. 
this sort of brings us on to maybe the one thing that I did actually like in this. <laughs> and that is the way that the Grayson's death is done. Yeah, that's pretty good. Because, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not amazing. Mm-hmm. But I just like the idea that... Because in, in previous versions, there's just been an accident and they've fallen. Yeah. I think the Joker's snapped a wire in one of the past versions. Might have. He's, he's always there, isn't he? <laughs> but for me, it's just, it's just a nice, like, refreshing difference to have them actually do something and they try to stop the bomb from going off. Yeah. And that's why they die. Yeah. And it's somewhat related to how Bruce Wayne was there at the same time and... Um, Robin himself was trying was the the main hero, but he didn't do it in time. It's kind of a, it adds a bit more a bit more something to it than. Um, and I also quite like the fact that he says that he's Batman, but gets drowned out by the crowd. Yeah, that's quite yeah. Like he would he would in that situation just let everyone know that if it meant saving everyone's life. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's. I think that's a, a highlight of the movie, um, but. It's not even like enough to like bring up to like some sort of standard. It's it's still quite it's drowned out in this neon tone and not and again the bomb the person that sets off the bomb is Toothface, a character who is just the worst. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> would you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, the villains in this film are horrible. They're terrible. I like I like Jim Carrey on his day. Yeah, a good Jim Carrey is good. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. This now get in the bin. It it's it feels like Jim Carrey was popular at the time, and some producer said that we need Jim Carrey at maximum Jim Carrey, and that's the only reason the character is like the way he is. It's he has very poor motivations, and it's a similar to Face. I don't really know his backstory. It's just he's a man of acid face, and he's crazy. Like <laughs> it's. It it adds nothing to the movie aside from the fact that the, they can say that they did the thing from the comics. It, yeah, it doesn't really mean much. And mm-hmm. Tommy Jones is just, is just, I don't know what he's doing as a Thai movie. I really don't know what he's doing. It's like uh, Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a movie that he did for the kids. Like he definitely had like a grand a grandson or a son who was like young and wanted to see his father in a battle movie and. You can't fault him for that, but he, um, yeah, it's not a good performance or a villain. (laughs) Hmm. It's, I think he's my least favorite in these Batman movies overall, like character-wise. That it's just terrible. Oh god. Um. Yeah. Um. Also, right. Batman full-on kills Two Face. Right. There's no debate. Oh, no debate. He murders him. Well, in general, how do you feel about Batman killing in in these movies? Um. Because it happens a lot, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Um, like, obviously, there was a massive problem when Batman v Superman came out and everyone was like, how dare he kill people? Yeah. And you look back, like, Michael Keaton kills the Joker. Oh, yeah. Michael Keaton also attaches a bomb to somebody's belt and pushes him down a hole. Yeah, and then we see it explode. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's not to say that because someone else did it, that means you can do it again because it was still kind of a kind of a um, um, a betrayal of the character in a way to do that so early on. Mm. Um, and I feel like we'll get to it because the Nolan films kind of they made up the main point of the Batman and his sort of the line between him and the villains, um, yeah. which is non-existent, yeah, non-existent in these movies. I feel like. 
it's it's a guessing game of who is actually going to be the hero because like they're both they're all kind of like this mad people in costumes doing terrible things overall um Mm -hmm. uh, it's and i will get to it but i think that's why batman returns is probably my my favorite of these first four because i feel like that's the first one that kind of accepts that 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 is what these movies are um Mm. but other than that yeah batman forever just doesn't it's but it's bland (laughs) Uh for an interesting uh, interesting thing for this one Mm. i noticed at the start of the film yeah Two-Face escapes on a helicopter. Mm-hmm. The helicopter has a steering wheel. <laughs> I just yeah. I tried to stop myself and think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> it's Gotham. They can be different. Yeah, so for me, the reason this film is bottom mm-hmm. is because I just didn't enjoy it and I did find it... I found it quite grating. Yeah. The villains are more annoying... And for the most part, like, there's a good chunk of the film in the middle where wow. I have no recollection of what happens, and I watched it less than a week ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. It's um, it's certainly the it's the one you forget exists when it comes to the Batman movies. It's kind of like Batman and Robin was so bad that everyone knows about it, and the first two were Keaton Burton projects, and there was a one in the middle that did well in the box office but didn't really do much else um yeah it's kind of forgettable um i think it i think it kind of tries to be a bit deeper than the first two but mm. doesn't do it <laughs> if that makes sense no it doesn't it kind of like oh a psychologist oh batman has um problems with his parents death and we're going to do that more than the last two i guess but and then it doesn't really do anything with it aside from just tell us again that um his parents did die i mean we knew that um everybody knows it yeah um yeah i i could i could see this one being last pretty easily yeah Yeah. speaking of which what is your 10th place film okay so my 10th place film is is one that i guess isn't a batman movie it's more of a, a a group movie um but yeah my last one is justice league um uh, it's yeah I just can't because when I look back like back towards all that on movies that I've came before it's it's a weird sort of almost kind of great mix of like oh there's a Bert, there's two Burton movies and there's two Schumacher movies and there's, there's uh, the Nolan trilogy then there's Zack Snyder's interpretation of the character there's Lego Batman even there's the animated films that are very gothic and 1940s kind of influenced and there's so much variety when it comes to Batman that is it you cannot like one version and adore like a different version um but when it comes to Justice League and his the way he's in that film I can't take it seriously because I don't think there's any sort of vision being used to like make that character stand out and yeah granted it is a it is a group movie full of different characters as a Superman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg I get that it's not meant to be a Batman movie but Mm. That being said, I don't feel like this interpretation means anything. It just it just exists because the Avengers came out and DC wanted to make a Justice League movie. Um, and if you don't know, and we have went through it before, but very shortly, there was it, there's a four-hour-longer cut of this movie coming out soon, and it was from the original director. Um, and unfortunately, tragedy hit him at home, and 
had to lead the project and then someone else came on board and made a very short version of that film and it's very much different from what, from what was intended and not really the same characters the previous movie that Ben Affleck was in and yeah it's it doesn't feel like a vision at all um even if even if you can look back in Batman Forever and Batman Robin and Batman uh, 89 it's they're definitely movies made for money first and foremost but I don't feel like they weren't used by people that were making them to do something creative um whereas this feels just really flat for me and Ben Affleck is just for the most part, given that it's reshoots, not really invested in what the character is doing in this version, which is very much a lighter, happier tone, intended to just intended to just be the MCU, but now it's the DC universe. Mm. Uh, would you agree? Like that is just kind of like a flat interpretation of the character. Yeah, it's very flat. I do think it's high, perhaps higher on my list because for me, there is a little bit of a glimmer of what Batman should have been in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, I, I could have been. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's just a slight glimmer of, because there's, I think there's a scene with Batman and Alfred. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if it's a Whedon reshoot or if it's a Zack Snyder yeah. original scene, but he says something like um, he, he wants to bring Bat- Superman in because Superman is better than him. Mm. Something yeah. like that. Now, if it's, a, if it's a Whedon scene that's been reshot, yeah. Um, it's a very ham-fisted way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like that has an arc for Batman over the course of the film. I think that's it's an interesting idea. Yeah. At least it could be interesting. Mm-hmm. However, the film as a whole just does just betrays that. Yeah, it's as, especially as we've said before, like the scene when Superman comes back at the end, <laughs> and Batman turns into a fourteen-year-old girl. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I, I, I don't hate you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's one um, scene for me that's like um, really indicative of what the character was to Joss Whedon at this point, which was when Superman comes back from the dead and is um, kind of becoming the villain of the story for a bit. Um, we see we see the Justice, the Justice League, like Cyborg, Wonder Woman, uh, Aquaman and The Flash all go up to him to meet him um, real quick because they can fly, they can jump real high or whatever. And then Batman's just nowhere to be seen for a good 10 minutes. And then 10 minutes later, Batman just panting, like runs up, like, what did I miss? Like, I had to run up here, I had to go up the stairs. And like, it's really like, you couldn't have like just done anything different and like maybe use a grapple gun or whatever. Like you couldn't have like made this character relevant to the story and not just the guy that happens to be there because he was in the last one. Um, and it's weird because, like, it's Batman. Like, it's probably for a lot of people that don't love Superman or Wonder Woman, like, it's probably Batman who's the figurehead of DC. Um, yeah, so it, it, yeah, Batman's arguably one of the most recognised and popular comic book heroes of all time. In fact, he's probably had the most comic, most versions in films. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and it's He's been around for like in terms of movies, been around for like generations now since '89. Um, he had the the 1960 TV show, which is which is very famous and popular. Um, so oh, been a, yeah, there is also a film from that TV series. There is, yeah. I which haven't. <laughs> we haven't. You haven't included in this list. 
No, I haven't seen it, so I don't really know. <laughs> um, yeah, this one's a, yeah, it just, it's the one that I look at and go, it, when everything about my franchise, the one I look at and go, this isn't anything. <laughs> like, uh, I don't really have any thoughts on it as a Batman movie. So therefore, it kind of feels like the one that I can discard very easily, um, which is why I'm really excited to see the Zack Snyder cut off of this character, because he created this character to begin with in his version, and to see him finally come full circle on his on his um, on his personality and his choices would be interesting to see. But instead, what we got was just it's a new Batman because the last one he didn't like. So, it's, yeah, it yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really work for me this version at all um, in this movie. No. Uh, yeah, it yeah. For me, it's a bit higher. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mainly because what well, I'll, I'll get to it at the time, but mainly because of what it what it could be. Yeah, it could. I've, be. I've I've put it a little higher because there are ideas behind it and ideas that perhaps emerged in Batman v Superman mm-hmm. that are under the surface and give me a little bit of hope. Yeah. Whereas the two that are beneath it. <laughs> 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 okay <laughs> do you want to get to that one then the next one i can do yes so my ninth place is batman and robin okay <laughs> um so wow <laughs> yeah what, what a what a what a choice this is yeah. i've put this above batman forever because i do i did get a bit of enjoyment out of it yeah it's hard not to <laughs> for the absurdity because there are some abominations in this. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking about Bane. I'm talking <laughs> about the bat butt and the bat nipples. Oh, yeah. Um, Why do we need to see whoever's in the bat suit pulling up the pulling up the trouser bit? Uh, I, I don't know. Why, why does it need to be that jiggle as well? Yeah, it's like a close-up as well. It's like, oh, it's, um, yeah. It's the beginning of the film as well, isn't it? It, it happens twice. It happens at the beginning when it's Batman and Robin, and then it happens towards the end when it's Batman, Robin, and Batgirl. Wow. And Batgirl, my friend. <laughs> right, okay, so right. So they introduce Batgirl. Yeah. Now, anybody who knows Batgirl will know Batgirl's name is Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. And that's because she's the daughter of Jim Gordon. Yeah. Commissioner of Gotham. In this one, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Niece of Alfred. Niece of what Alfred. What is that? Out nurse niece of Alfred. It's like, there? It's, it's like... They said, well, we're going to put Barbara Gordon in. Yeah. And then they thought, oh, wait. Oh, we completely forgot to make Jim Gordon a character. Yeah. <laughs> it's... um. This is just like a bumbling fool. He is, yeah. And I think this film is the one that gives him any sort of like character stuff to do because he's dying the entire film. Mm. Um, which overall, when you think when I think back to it now, it kind of feels like they said we want Batgirl, but we don't want to explore Cap- uh, Commissioner Gordon. So instead, we'll use um, a familial connection to Alfred and have him just do something in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's like they just thought, we want to put this in to sell some toys, mm. but we have no respect for the source material. Yeah. But, and yeah. That, that sort of, yeah. 
Yeah. That's just the closest I can I can describe it as because it's like they've seen things from Batman lore, mm-hmm. like the grappling hook, the bat symbol, Batgirl, yeah. Robin, Batman. <laughs> and they've just they've just not made the logical connection of how it all works. They've just said, mm-hmm. let's just get it all and we'll throw it all together. It's it's like it's like baking a cake. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> or I don't know. No, no, it's like it's like making a pizza, right? Yeah. <laughs> and making a pizza. Yeah. And instead of making the dough, kneading it, <laughs> and then making the sauce, and then yeah. putting it together and putting some cheese. And what they've decided to do is yeah. decided to get a handful of yeast, some flour, <laughs> put the tomato sauce in, put some tomato puree in, put the cheese in, mm-hmm. then throw the pepperoni in, just mix it all together and stick it in the oven. Stick in the oven. <laughs> That's what they've decided to do. And yeah. then they, they, they just act surprised when what comes out is not a pizza. Instead, it's just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> because that is what this film is. And yeah. the only reason I think a lot of people enjoy it is because of how absurd it is. Oh, it's... Yeah, when it comes to, like, a blockbuster superhero movies, I don't think you get, like... You don't get this sort of... I think this is the last one of that sort of era of filmmaking when it came to the superhero genre. Um, it's the one where everything is to do with spectacle. It's all about how wild and crazy we can go. It's all about how how famous how famous people that are, that are playing the roles are. It's not really about anything much more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have Arnold Schwarzenegger there just because he's famous at the time. We have Uma Thurman. We have George Clooney. Um, we have Alicia Silverstone. We have all these kind of just like famous actors that are just. At that at that time period, like up and coming, um, or well established, um, so it made this film seem more like it was like a real, like I don't know, movie because people that were famous were in it, um, mm. whereas in reality they were just, they were just making um, they were just making a two hour movie which was an excuse to make more money because the last one made money. It it's yeah, it's just the villains have a plan and the plan is. To at the same time as freeze the planet over, it's also to make the planet a breeding ground for uh, plants. Which I don't know if the villains understood this, but like them two concepts together do not work. <laughs> it's kind of like opposites. Um, yeah, and which, then you know both of them should know, considering you know they're both scientists. Yeah, which yeah. you know the writers would know if they actually read the comics. <laughs> or... Yeah. Um... It's just a, it's a, it's a wild. By the way, this is the, this is the, the, the same place in my ranking as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's um, it's like I don't know. It's like nothing really means anything, but at the same time, at least it's all covered in neon, and at least it's, it's somewhat enjoyable in the sense that you're kind of like wondering how they made it. Mm. Um, it's yeah, and then, I mean. Even like character wise, I don't even know what they're doing. Like, uh, Batman is mourning the death, the possible death of Alfred, and then Batgirl is also a rebel because she has a motorbike. Um, oh, Robin and Batman both like um, the Poison Ivy character. Um, I forget that sometimes because it's so pointless. Uh, I hate possession. Yeah, <laughs> like in films, I've, there are several plot lines that make me just think. That make me want to turn off something. Mm-hmm. One of them is possession, and the other one is amnesia. Amnesia, okay. 
when when a character goes through a whole character arc and then at the end or at some point they get hit on the head and they're all like who am i <laughs> yeah it's uh it's, like, it's kind of a soap opera type thing isn't it mm-hmm. yeah um and so and for me it's just you no know, and just robin just a prick in this <laughs> just a prick that's the only way to describe him you can't stand the fact that she likes me and not you. Yeah. yeah. Go home, 12-year-old Robin. That's the conflict of that movie. It's she likes me, not you. And it's it, that it's, movie, you know. Is it, is it supposed to be... Have I, have I misread this? Mm-hmm. Is is this Robin supposed to be 12? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's odd, isn't it? Because I, I, really I can't really tell what they're going for because clearly the actor is in his 20s, but at the same time... They play it off like he's some teenager, but at the same time, sometimes he's kind of adultish. But at the same time, <laughs> the movie's all over the place. So, um, yeah, it's um, yeah, and I think like respect is due where respect is needed because like it is like it kind of an an amazing like oddball experience of watching it. Of like, there's never I would say there's rarely at least a dull moment where I'm no, thinking where I'm I thinking. Agree. They made the safe choice. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I've I've slated it, I've insulted it. Mm. I do. Part of me does enjoy it because of how absurd it is. They've gone for it. Mm. Um, yeah, Joel um, Schumacher's gone for it. Um, the actors seem seem to be going for it. Arnold Schwarzenegger's having having time with life. Yeah, he's having a good time. <laughs> um, and also, I'd like to say that I think. I think George Clooney uh-huh. could have been a really good Batman. Yeah, I can imagine it. Um, it's just not this movie, though, is it? <laughs> I mean, comparing uh, all the like I'm Batman uh, introductions of all the Batman characters, um, even though yes, Val Kilmer's is quite an odd one, and just get but Val Kilmer at the at the end of um, Batman Forever is kind of a, a great one where he kind of. Um, talks to Riddler, I think, and just kind of says that he is both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of like an epic moment in that film, and it kind of feels vaguely earned. And it's, But, yeah, it has, like, a gravitas that this movie doesn't have ever. And so when we first meet um, George Clooney Batman, he's, his first line is very much a simple, hey, Freeze, I'm Batman. And then the movie just moves on. <laughs> um, and I feel like, Maybe the audience would have sick by this point of like the fact that every movie is going to be a different actor playing Batman, um, mm-hmm. which is fair enough because like these movies didn't really mean much other than no. they were a part of a franchise that was popular money wise. Um, yeah, I it was kind of like I feel like the best way of putting these early movies is that they're kind of like the James Bond movies, like the very early day ones. Yeah, there's not much meaning. They're they're not very they're not made for any much reason beyond. The, the aspect of a, a box office return that's because people want to see spectacle and kind of, I don't want to say turn off the brain, but like just have an experience that's not taxing emotionally. It's more mm. just watching something on screen. Um, and I feel like that's the first full Batman movie is pretty well summed up, even though I think in some ways Batman Returns has a lot of great stuff going on, which I'll get to. But um, yeah, they're all, yeah, there's they're a mixed bag, these these two and these four in some ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like after this, the, the Batman franchise is better off as just like 
actual movies, I guess. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few little things before we move on. Mm-hmm. I'd noted. Um, when Freeze is trying to freeze a sea, yeah. there are two scientists that he freezes. <laughs> and then Batman then unfreezes. Yeah. They then fall off the side and Batman has to rescue them. Yeah. Batman just leaves them on the side of a cliff. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? This, oh, yeah, he does. Like an ice mountain. Yeah. Which is funny. Also, yeah. that's one of the most absurd things for me, amusingly absurd things that happens, right? Mm-hmm. It's the way they defeat Poison Ivy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the, the lip thing. Mm-hmm. This the um the plant he's in. Yeah. Yeah. So Robin enters the garden. Mm-hmm. Um and Poison Ivy is sat in in the mouth of a um what do they call it? A Venus flytrap. Yeah. She's using it as a chair. <laughs> and then then a fight breaks out, as it happens in a garden. As it always does. Um and she's controlling the leaves. Yeah. And the way she gets defeated is yeah. she gets pushed on to the Venus flytrap mm-hmm. that she's literally just been sat on. Yeah. And it traps her. Yeah. I mean... So the plant that she's been sat on and nothing's happened that she also controls mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> has randomly <laughs> turned against her. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, that scene for one thing throughout the entire thing, has, like, very obvious saxophone um, music playing in the background. Good love so sax, Yeah, you got to, and it's very much over the top. The whole film is, but, like, this scene in particular is very much... It just tell, it's telling the audience how to feel about it instantly. Um, it's Batgirl arrives, and she does some very, very weird choreography that makes no sense. Um, oh, oh, and... Um, I think Batman uh, records her saying some line about killing Mr. Free's wife. Um, and then later on, when he plays his footage, it's like the movie footage, like not recorded footage. <laughs> it's like the footage we saw on, in the cinema um, seeing the movie, uh, which is odd, I would say. Um, <laughs> um, but again, that's in tone with the movie, I guess. It's not really a movie to be taken like oh, seriously. No, no it's not. Um, so I don't, like, I could easily, easily watch this film again, like, right now and just have fun of it and just, like, leave the room and come back and, like, just enjoy looking at it, at least. Um, but, yeah, beyond that, it's, it's yeah, it's meaningless. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go on? We can do. Um, so was that your yeah nine as well? Yeah, that's my nine. So I'll go to my eight now? Yeah, got your eight. Go on. Okay, so my it is um, it's Batman Forever. It's okay. it's hard to like disconnect these two movies from each other because if you don't like Batman Robin, then you're not gonna like Batman Forever. You know, it's kind of they kind of like the two that are huddled, huddled together in like you either like them or you don't. Um, and I I guess prefer, I kind of prefer this one in some ways at least because I guess it. It kind of takes itself a bit more seriously to the point where I can at least believe the characters inside the like the mad neon world that it is in. Um, Robin again, we were saying before, it has he has a very good sort of origin scene at least. Um, and again, he's not as annoying in this one. He doesn't have that weird conflict that means nothing. <laughs> he's actually like <laughs> grieving his parents and 
overcoming that with Bruce. Um, and I think what's, I guess, kind of fascinating about this movie more than anything, I don't know if you know about this, but there's a lot of deleted scenes that are like way more Tim Burton gothic inspired. Um, yeah, it's a lot more. Um, so like, for example, it's not really a big thing, this first one, but like the movie originally opened with um, Arkham Asylum and it's very creepy, um, like thunder and lightning sort of scene where you go into Two-Face's um, prison chamber and the prison guard has been hanged and there's there's like blood writing on the wall and there's like this lightning and red lightning and it's a very, it's very much a, a more moody way of opening the film and it kind of feels like we're actually going to continue the the um, the the Burton sort of at least sort of tone, um, and more than that, there's a lot more deleted scenes revolving around Bruce's memories of his parents' death. Um, okay. To the point where it actually makes some like way more sense that the psychologist would be his love interest this time around because they actually kind of go into it a lot. Yeah. Um, and even like people that have um, written the script or. Um, seen the first version of the script before they edited, edited the film and all that. Uh, this was the first Batman film that was going to be about Batman and like about his kind of weird, weird like psychology. Um, and I did film some of it. And some of this is very interesting because it reveals the fact that Bruce Wayne is the reason his parents were killed um, because he wanted to go to the movie theater more than they did. And they went to this to please him. And it, that kind of scar that's been repressed inside of him is kind of it kind of comes out in this film, and it kind of, you kind of deal with that um, mm-hmm. alongside Robin, who is also the reason for his own parents' death in some ways. Um, so the kind of like that nice parallel. There's also a kind of famous scene actually that's been delete, deleted, um, which is I think it's I I think it really suits the tone of these first four movies, like in general of um, kind of making something psychological and character into something visually spectacle. Um, and it's when it's Val Kilmer going into the cave, like the, a deeper cave inside the back cave. And he sees this book where the diary is written down as and he realizes because he wants to go to the movie theater um, that his parents died. And after that, a big, like, a, and I mean like a giant, like a, a giant bat appears and starts flying towards him. Um, Flying towards like a massive like animatronic, animatronic like actual like robot bat thing um, that's been created for the movie. It flies up to bat uh, to Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne um, kind of like stands up to it and kind of um, becomes like more confident in being next to the bat, I guess. And um, they kind of like share like doing a similar pose. Like he mimics the bat the bat's movements, but like not. It sounds kind of like weird when I say it like that, but it actually, I swear, like it actually does work when you see the deleted scene, and I, dec- mm-hmm. I recommend looking at it at least. Um, yeah, and I feel like at the very least there was going to be something in this movie meaningful, um, and I do feel like you can see that you can see glimpses of that happening every once in a while. Yeah, uh, yeah. and but yeah, at the same time, I agree that even though the villains aren't great in the Schumacher movies, I do think that. The Riddler and Two Face are easily the worst ones. Um, they're they're just annoying and they don't add anything to the movie. I don't really, yeah, I, just, I don't get what they're about. Um, it's just Jim Carrey and Two Face and um, Tommy Lee Jones wanted their paycheck. Yeah, uh, they're just overpowering. Yeah, they overpower every other every other element of the film, even when it's good. Like <laughs> it's mm. 
it's like a like a, a great cloud hanging over the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to go too much into like dragging this movie. I do think there's some good elements. So, mm-hmm. and I feel we've talked about this one a lot. So we're gonna just move on to your next one. I think. Yeah, my third from bottom one is is, is Justice League. Oh, okay, okay. Um, it's low, but basically, like you said, it's just devoid of any vision, devoid of any personality. Yeah. And devoid of everything it could be devoid of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not everything. Um, the reason it's a little bit higher for me is because there are those glimmers of what Snyder maybe wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we'll probably talk about it more when it comes to Batman v Superman. I like Ben. I really like Ben Affleck as Batman. Same. Same. Um, I also really like Jeremy Irons as Alfred. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> um, and also, at the very least, with this film, you have a bit of variety with Cyborg, The Flash, and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although we're probably looking at these films primarily through a, a bat-shaped lens. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is some, there's, yeah, there's a little bit of spectacle there that isn't just neonness. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's all. Really high, really high for Justice League. Yeah, I, I would agree that Ben Affleck is a is still a highlight in that movie um, as the character. Um, but again, he's got nothing to work with, and he during a time with the reshoot, he was going through some hard times in real life. And I yeah, he was. He was. I, yeah, I don't think it reflects his best best portrayal performance, um, which is understand, understandable from the point of view he's coming from and what he was going through. Um, so I think that. Couple of that with the fact that the script wasn't there for him, and there was a new director that didn't really care for the previous movie um, making that film. It kind of it feels like not just a, a blacklist. It doesn't just feel blacklist of vision. It feels purposely made to go against the actual vision that was intended. Mm, uh, it just feels so conflicted. Yeah, it All feels like ripping up the arc at the same time as wiping it away from existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not, it's kind of, I feel like that's why, that's, it's my least favourite actually, now that I think about it, it's, um, it just feels like malicious in its attempt, intent, it feels like it's purposely going against something someone else created because you didn't like it, mm. uh, and I feel like that's just not what Ben Affleck and uh, Zack Snyder and Chris Terrier, the writer, were going for and wanted to do with the character, which... Mm. Yeah, even, I, think it's, I think it speaks volumes that when Zack Snyder has filmed four hours worth of footage, mm-hmm. you then feel the need to do extensive reshoots to make a film that's an hour and a half. Yeah, and it's so bland. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a uh, it's kind of even if you like you don't like Batman v Superman, you really hate that movie, and you really hate that interpretation of the character who's a who was a murderer in a lot of ways and just isn't very Batman-like in the way we expect him to be. I don't think you can lie that. At the very least, it's it's kind of interesting to see it happen um, uh, compared to this version, which is this. it's just a guy in a bat suit in broad daylight um, just barely keep, keeping up with his friends. It's like, <laughs> it's just odd, yeah. I don't really understand it over, overall. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll move on, because it's kind of yeah. like heartening. Um, Let's leave Justice League languishing in the relegation zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, 
my seventh film in the ranking, mm-hmm. yeah, seventh film is uh, Batman the '89. Um, is it interesting? It's the first uh, Michael Keaton Batman film, um, Tim Burton directed. Um, and this one, for me, is kind of like a time capsule movie where whenever I watch it, I, I feel like I'm like like I'm in 1989 watching the film for the first time. Mm. Uh, it's it's one of the first superhero movies ever made that wasn't the Donna, the Donna uh, Superman movies. Um, and it definitely feels like it's purposely going against everything that came before it. It feels like Batman was known for being um, an over-the-top, colourful character from the 1960s um, TV show. And the whole point of this movie was to get away from that. And I feel like that's just movie's kind of strength and kind of weakness. Um, it's It's like... It's still like an over-the-top uh, whimsical experience, but it's just um, coated in like shadows and noir and black, <laughs> like black leather, and <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not the um, it's not actually as dark as it, you may think it actually is. It's just more, it's just darker, like in a sense of how it's visually presented to you. It's, I mean, you could imagine the same story happening to the the sixties version of the character. Uh, yeah. And I feel like uh, it it feels more like uh, a studio move because they have the character Batman and want him to be popular, but know that they're tied to this history of the 60s TV show. Mm-hmm. And they get away from that, and therefore they got Tim Burton to make a Batman movie. Who was a, Tim Burton, by the way, who, who kind of somewhat famously since then has said, if you know anything about me, you know I never read a comic book in my life. Um, which is strange to say when you've made two comic book movies about the most popular character in comic books. <laughs> I feel like that's this. I nearly movie. made a third. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You nearly made a Superman film as well. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This film it's very enjoyable for me. It's it makes so many decisions though that I don't understand and I kind of can't get past them. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the first Batman film, and you don't really explain the Batman character in it. It's not a movie about Batman. It's more about the world that he lives in and the Joker, who is the biggest point of this movie. Um, and Jack Nicholson gives a great performance. I think he's having he's having so much fun, but not in the same way that Jim Carrey or um, Tom Lee Jones is. I think he's actually like a character, and he's not just playing it up for the sake of it. Um, uh and I feel like, but again, I can't understand the decision to have the first half an hour of this film be the origin story of the Joker and not the origin story of Batman, or even just the the world of characters of Batman. Um, it's a very weird script to me um, that I don't understand, because why, why are you explaining to me the Joker, a character... Like, I don't really sympathise with him because I know his backstory. I don't really hate him as a character more because I know his backstory. I don't want to see him uh, taken down more because I've seen his mobster backstory. I don't really... There's no need for me to see the backstory of his character for 20 minutes. Mm. Um, Batman is more of a plot device. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I'm Um Yeah, he's, he's just there to be Batman and he's sort of every once in a while because it's a Batman movie and it's cool to see Batman in a, in a big budget movie. Um... Which is what it was at the time. It was Batman, but big budget. And I think that's... It comes off that way to me still to this day. Of like, The studio wanted to make money and they realised they had Batman and then they just got 
that franchise off the ground by making it dark and edgy in a way. Mm. Uh, and I feel like it's still a very fun movie. I don't think there's any, there's no glaring flaw in the movie that makes me not enjoy it. I just feel like it's not the best version of itself. Um, it's it's gothic. It's it's interesting to look at. It's very it's very like like beautifully designed in in a way. It's like it, the whole movie is on like a great great big set. Um, that's it's very much its own thing. Um, yeah, it very much it feels Tim Burton through and yeah. through. It's yeah, I feel like that's a great way of playing it. It's it is again, it is a kind of a, a spectacle. Or orientated film about the spectacle of Batman in a big budget film, but I can't deny that what they do with that big budget is creatively spearheaded by Tim, Bur- Tim Burton in his design team. Um, yeah, because it's even the, the gothic structure of Gotham and it physically, mm-hmm. to the fact that Batman is Batman and Bruce Wayne are oddballs. Yeah, uh, they're not they're not the typical versions of the characters that you expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Particularly, like Keaton's Batman is 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 all Bruce Wayne. His Bruce Wayne is awkward. Yeah, you yeah. see that in his interaction with Vicky Vale and the journalists. Yeah, he's very socially awkward. <laughs> which which is I actually really like. I do as well. Yeah. I think there's not much there for Keaton to work with mm, in terms that. of the character, but I think what he does have. Is mm-hmm. he, he makes he makes it really work. Yeah, he does. I think his performance, his mannerisms, his the way he, way he holds himself in the role. Mm-hmm. You you can see his Bruce Bruce Wayne not through necessarily through the words he says, but the way he acts. Yeah, um, he's sort of jittery and un uncomfortable attitude when he's at part of the party and when he's interacting with people mm-hmm. yet you see his complete comfort when yeah. he's batman and he's in the bat cave yeah um yeah i agree with that i think he mark keaton is the main reason i um treat the character in these first two films as a character mm. uh, i don't think the script does that much to help him i think they're they touch on some of some of those issues and his weaknesses but i don't think they go into it very well um, but Matt, uh, Matt Keaton being there is something that makes him charismatic in a in a, in a way. I think he ha- mm-hmm. I w- it's kind of like Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones. It's like a perfect marriage of character and actor, where um, one just elevates the one uh, the character so much. But the difference I would say is that with Indiana Jones, the character is there in the script already, um, whereas I just feel like without without Matt Keaton, the character of Batman is very nothing. In this, in these movies, um, and I, I think we see that with George Clooney and thought Val Kilmer, um, because their scripts aren't Batman centric and they aren't about anything to do with Batman. Um, those actors have a hard time kind of bringing anything sort of new to it after Michael Keaton, um, mm. and I feel like Michael Keaton is, I think he adds the majority of the character to this movie, and I mean that in like the tone as well, because I think he makes it a bit more comedic as well. Mm. Uh, and I feel, and again, Tim Burton, again, a guy who doesn't really care about comic books, I feel that's very evident when Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne, um, after having a night with Vicky Vale, we see we see him upside down on a, um, I don't know what you call it, like a bar, like a metal bar, high, kind of like high in the room. And he's upside down on it, like using his feet to dangle off this metal bar. And he's just sleeping like a bat upside down. 
Um, which to me implies that Bat- uh, Tim Burton heard about a character called Batman and, and then in his head went, oh, then he must do Upside Down because he's Batman and <laughs> he must do all these weird, weird things because he's Batman. He, he must love bats. Um, which is definitely an interpretation that I kind of enjoy looking at because um, I, I don't imagine I'll ever see that ever again happen on, on a film, like Batman mm. do that. Um, <laughs> But I can't deny that it just feels very surface level. Um, but yeah, Matt Keaton and similar Jack Nicholson, they add the majority of the charm to these characters. Mm-hmm. That yeah, and Vicky Vale, I think she's serviceable. I think she's she's played charmingly by um, um, Kim Basinger mm-hmm. or okay. um, But and I feel like you could make a solid argument if this was the only Batman film from this era that Vicky Phil has a point in this movie and serves as a very good, a very good function for Batman and Bruce Wayne to evolve as a person. But going forward, you see that every time there's, there's just a new love interest every movie, mm. and they mean, they mean nothing almost every time. Um, so again, this one feels very. Out of all of them, I feel like Vicky Phil and the last one, <laughs> Batman and Robin, are the weakest for me because I don't feel like they add literally anything um to the story um um and yeah it's kind of a it's kind of a, like i enjoy this one the most in some ways out of the first four but i don't it's the one that's it's it sets the precedent for what's forced to come and i feel like that's undeniable of like it's not about batman yeah uh, yeah would you agree i think i'd agree yeah it, batman isn't as strong as he becomes mm-hmm. as a character. And as we as we'll, we'll get to the Nolan episodes next ep- the Nolan films next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you have the example of him being the focal point and the main character of that film. Whereas yeah. in this one, the main character mo- feels more the Batman mythos, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole concept of the Batman in Gotham City. Yeah, that seems like the priority, and you never feel otherwise. And yeah, it's only really elevated because of performances and little bits. People mm-hmm. other than Burton, because Burton is undeniably focused on the vision. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, if it wasn't for the people, other people in it, like like um, Kim Basinger, Michael Keaton, and Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. without them, I feel like you'd have a very hollow film. Yeah. It, yeah, <laughs> the script is. Um, I don't know if you know about this either, but um, this the script is kind of. Um, it's kind of went through a lot of rewrites um, when they were making it, and mm-hmm. the first one I think is available. I think, um, and it is very much a Batman um, psychological movie. Um, but again, Tim Burton apparently came in and said that he wanted to be more focused on um, just the the kind of the the whole Gotham landscape and how. How the visuals can the visual of Gotham could be so interesting interesting on film compared to the actual characters are going to be interesting, um, and I think that's normal evident that in the the death of the parents uh, that that reveal is it's trying to reveal more than an actual character point. Um, it comes just before the third act. Um, we learn about it through Vicky Vale. Um, we get a short flashback, um, and. Then Bruce Wayne, I get the sense that he doesn't really, there's not, I don't really feel like he deals with it in any sort of way in this movie. I feel like he he says to himself, 
the Joker killed my parents when I was a kid, therefore I will kill the Joker. And then he kills the Joker. It's it, it doesn't really feel like he's learned anything. He hasn't really grown as a person. He hasn't became a better Batman by the end of the movie. He's just the same person we met at the beginning, but this time he's got a girlfriend. Um, it's yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it was done for any real purpose other than the fact that they had to put it in there because it was part of the origin story from the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't want to explore it very much. They just wanted to have it there so they can appease the fans. Um, and then again, behind the scenes of this movie, the producers, including John Peters, the guy that was going to make Superman lives, and was very, very egotistical and very kind of money-driven, um, they and other producers saw a film called uh, the, Phantom, the Phantom of the Opera, I think. And the ending of that film is they go to a tower and there's some sort of like, a whole event happens at the end of the movie on the tower. Um, and then they come in the next day to the office and say, get to bear on, to bear on the phone. We need the ending to be on the tower in our movie. Um, and that's kind of like, even though I feel that tower sequence is very well done, it's kind of my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's also indicative of what the movie the movie was the way the movie is made under like those conditions of a producer saw something that happened that was popular and said Tim Burton we need this um, so like the boots of the, the boots of the Batman suit are made out of Nike Nike boots um, and it's all kind of there was like a million a million adverts with products in them about connected to this connected to this film um, and I feel like that's it isn't really this film doesn't really serve much purpose beyond that in terms of what it ultimately ultimately means as a story that you're getting told. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah, can I go to your next one? My next one, yeah, my next one. So my number um, seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, seven. Is Lego Batman? Oh, okay. We've reached a point in this list where we've had the bottom three, and every point forward here are films that I enjoy. Okay, okay. And that, that I think are good films. I, I don't think there's a bad one from beyond this point onward. Okay. Um, the reason I put Lego Batman here, uh, while I do enjoy it, and I, I do like it. I think it's a well-made film. It's made with a lot of heart in it. Yeah. I think you can't deny that. It's a film that's made with a great appreciation for Batman and the whole mythos of Batman and his history. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like it's not as impressive an achievement as some of the others. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's not, if the others didn't exist, if, Bat, if none of the other Batman films existed, mm-hmm. this film wouldn't have the same effect, I don't think. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I get what you mean. It's by the way, this is my next one as well. This is my uh, number six. Um, yeah, my my number six is all is Batman eighty nine mm-hmm. as well. So we've just we've just flipped them. Yeah, for each other. Yeah. Um, but for me, like, like I, I do I do enjoy it. I find it really fun. Mm-hmm. But I just think it it lacks the maybe the the depth of the other mm-hmm. the other Batman films. Yeah. Like it's just it's more of a it's not a parody, mm-hmm. um, but it mocks aspects of the other films. Yeah, and it, it exaggerates parts of it to make a joke out of it, which is fine. I, I I enjoy it. There's like a sequence where Batman turns up at the Fortress of Solitude, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. To find that ba- uh, Superman and the whole Justice League are having a party without him. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is, is, yeah, it's funny. And there's a, there's a gag at the start where somebody says that um, all the all the C-list villains are converging at the power plant. <laughs> which, again, I find amusing. Yeah. But that the and again and again like all the villains include like they go to the Phantom Zone and they find the Daleks and <laughs> the Eye of Sauron. Yeah, and it's just a fun, fun mm-hmm. adventure with Batman. Yeah, but it just if me it doesn't have the emotion that the other ones do have. Mm-hmm. Um... It's, it's it's very simple, colourful. Enjoyable comic book film with a very blatant message, a very mm-hmm. blatant theme. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, it, 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 it just it just it's simply there. This low on the list mm-hmm. because the other films are better, not because this is worse than the others. If that makes sense. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can understand that. It's for me. It's um, it's just like a. I feel like it's actually kind of a very. I don't. Want, I don't, wouldn't go as far as an in depth look. But I feel like it's very good overview of the batman sort of character um the way they go over it and kind of um hint out hint at things that are kind of like psychological things that batman has been going through for decades now and they whilst at the same time making fun out of it for the first time kind of actually point it out to the character mm-hmm. uh, and yeah again yeah this is a very much a kid's kind of a kid-centric film that's um um that's very colorful it's very fun. It's kind of like a hodgepodge of like just different things put together, um, and it, but uh, again, for like to comment, compliment the movie about that is like I will never say this movie. This movie feels like a mesh, a mess. I never really get that sense from it. It always feels like it's 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 always um, kind of going somewhere. Um, yeah, it, it makes, always. It never feels like it doesn't know what it's doing. Yeah. It could easily be a movie that's all about references, and that's it. Um, mm. However, I don't feel like it ever goes that far into it. Um, I feel like it, it just, it's a good enough story by itself. It has a very good arc for Batman, which is him becoming an actual kind of family person. He has, actually, he has a family. <laughs> um, mm. Kind of becomes more of a, a softer character. Not, not just because of his character, but because of the tone, the tone of the movie as well. But also, I feel like it's one of the few Batman movies where I feel like Batman is a regular human, human being, <laughs> yeah, uh, and it, it's a movie. It's one of the movie's actual like uh, good points, um, and yeah, I can I definitely enjoy this one, but I don't ever think I don't really think about it that much. <laughs> um, no, I don't. Same. It's just kind of there, and I like it, and I kind of enjoy it. I'll watch it maybe once every few years, and I'll enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that one. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's fun. It's a fun mm-hmm. little little romp through Batman history and who Batman is. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, it mocks previous versions while also maintaining a sense of what Batman is. It, like, it, it, I feel like it understands who Batman is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it exaggerates it and mocks it. It understands. Yeah. Sometimes in some, in some ways it's better than the actual movies. It kind of understands Batman better. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because it's about all Batman, uh, kind of like all the errors of it. Where when it became very dark of the uh, with the um, Alan Moore comic and all these other things, and then the the Silver Age comics, where he's very very much like a, a larger life character who 
who fought people that were, I don't know, playing chess and they were huge. And <laughs> either there's all there's all the different like elements to Batman that have been going on for seventy five years and so on. They're like sometimes Batman's very colorful, sometimes he's very dark and brooding, sometimes he's mm-hmm. sometimes he's got a whole Bat family full of different characters. Sometimes, sometimes he's by himself. It's I always find Batman Batman interesting in the fact that everyone everyone kind of assumes that he's a very dark character, but that's not, that's just like probably the popular interpretation of him, not the yeah. old interpretation. Um, yeah, I kind of feel like this movie is a very much a, a great um, summing up of the Batman um, mythos for the past 70, uh, 75 years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about it. It's just a good summing up <laughs> um, of Batman. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is that a top five. Yeah, I think bottom so. five even. Yeah, bottom five. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I can say that my my number six will be Batman eighty nine. Oh, okay, yeah. For similar reasons that you described, it's, Batman doesn't feel like as much of a character. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's above Lego Batman mainly because it just has really strong vision and the art style and the effort that's gone into it and. I, I do really like Michael Keaton's Batman, yeah. even if the character's not necessarily strong as he would become in later versions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Michael Keaton's performance. Mm-hmm. Which is not so, so I don't like Will Arnett. I think he does a very good job. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So do you want to like wrap it up there? and? I can uh, do, yeah. So this brings us to the end of part one yeah. of our Batman talk. Mm-hmm. And so, if you just want to recap your ten to six. Okay, so my the dead last number ten is Justice League. Uh, I just a blandest one, I guess. Uh, number nine, Batman and Robin. Number eight, uh, Bat- Batman Forever. Number seven, Batman eighty nine. And number 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 ten, nine, six. Eight, six. Number six, <laughs> the Batman Lego Movie. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. My number 10, Batman Forever. Number 9, Batman and Robin. Number 8, Justice League. Number 7, Lego Batman. And number 6 is Batman 89. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you've enjoyed this part, you're going to have to <laughs> you're gonna have to wait a week. Yeah. A whole to, week. Um, yeah, these are slightly, slightly less in length. But when you put them together, it's probably just a bit too long to have as one whole episode. Yeah. So... Oh. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our Instagram account where we're moving on to uh, our opinion posts. Mm-hmm. You can find us at the Marvelous Cinema Podcast. Mm-hmm. You can also find us on Twitter at Cinema Marvelous if you want yep. similar stuff that goes on as the Instagram, but it's there, you know. Mm-hmm. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. Like Batman. <laughs> He's always there. Uh, if you would like to leave a review, that would be much appreciated. We love ourselves a good five star. Good but five. we'll take a four star to push. <laughs> None below that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You, we hope you can join us for part two next week. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs>